Hello, welcome to Overburden, the podcast for postal workers. I'm Kevin Hitchings. And I'm Brandy Hughes. Uh, today we wanted to respond to an email we got lately. Um, the question was, how do we get the corporation to um, compensate us if our routes are not covered when we book a personal day or take uh, vacation time? Just to clarify, we did respond earlier. This isn't our only response. Right. Yeah. Which is, it was, someone actually sent us a good topic. So, um. Which has happened before. Yeah. It's just nice. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes we reply personally. This time I had a a phone call with a member in Toronto. Um, but we're basically, yeah, going to talk about overtime, uh, group one and group two, different ways that the employer likes to kind of hose us out of overtime and what we can do about it. Um, I know some things are a bit of a fight in different locals and management is fairly easy about things some places and not in others uh and some things just take time i don't know there there shouldn't be variation the contract should be clear and rules should be defined but we all know it's not Hmm. uh one example is in uh, saskatoon at the west depot we were getting paid overtime for uh sorting flyers whereas other depots this is many years ago other depots in the same city were told that flyers were not eligible for overtime you know so even in a city it can be uh, really inconsistent and you should always be getting paid overtime to collate your flyers now if you're past your your eight hours by the way uh, as long as it's three or more sets if it's only one or two sets then that's not part of your job to collate anymore um of course you know that's a little different for rsmc's their calculation of overtime is not as straightforward as ours <laughs> We'll talk about overtime for RSMCs a little bit. We've mentioned it before, but not in a while. I think a lot of RSMCs are stoned the impression that overtime is impossible, and it's not. It is difficult, but it's not impossible to get. Right. It basically breaks down to theirs isn't, you know, you worked eight hours and everything after that is overtime. It, it has to be, um, you have to keep track of your hours for a two-week period and work more than 40 hours in a week. Yeah, we might as well go over it now. Okay, so basically it says that if you're averaging more than 40 hours per week on your route, you you must inform the corporation so that they can reduce your route to be less than 40 hours per week. And until such time as they do reduce it, they have to pay you um, the difference between the actual number of hours worked and the scheduled hours um, at a derived hourly rate multiplied by 1.5. So one and a half times. Yeah, so basically if you're going over eight hours a day, they have to give you overtime, but you have to prove it, and it can't just be on an individual day. you got to look at it on a weekly average. Um, And the other problem there is that if your route, and we've talked about this before, of course, if your route is scheduled for only six hours a day, you still have to hit that 40 hours a week, so eight hours a day average, before they pay you overtime. So you're effectively working two hours a day free before you can even apply for overtime or have that time covered. Yeah. Um, which uh, we've mostly talked about this when we're mad at the McPherson decision for fixing a lot of things, but somehow not fixing that, which is mind-boggling to me. Well, it's it seems unbelievable that that someone that a corporate a big corporation like this can still scam that many employees out of that many hours every week year round and get away with it. Yeah, and unless I'm wrong, or I believe it says, yeah, they have to uh, reduce your route if you're over 40 hours a week. But again, I don't think it says scheduled hours. It says 40 hours, is it not? For even asking for assistance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So lots of loopholes there for the corporation to abuse. But luckily, our corporation is a saint and they would never do that. 
Okay. I think this is where it gets really sucky for our SMCs because um, they don't have a clause in their collective agreement like this one in the urban one. So I'm looking at 1705F. It's on page 126 of the urban collective agreement. And they're talking about covering uncovered letter carrier walks or, or MSC routes. And it says that all available mail, including householders scheduled for delivery that day, must be delivered in the coverage of an uncovered walk. So it says right there that they can't pick and choose what mail goes out and what mail stays behind. All of it has to go every day. Right, which is a problem with the RSMCs because if you take a day off and they don't cover your route, you come back and they say tough. Right. Um, we've had some success with that in Saskatoon saying, you know, it's not fair and there's daily averages and stuff and we've had them um, get assistance usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, have we ever had them pay more? I have seen them agree to pay the daily rate mi- less the mileage. So like the sort and delivery values but not the mileage. Right. So they add an extra day's pay for delivery but not mileage. Right. Because yeah. in theory you're still driving to the same CMBs. Yeah. But they're not super time. consistent with that and I don't know what if that's happening everywhere. I know it is in other, some other cities. Right. But it's something to ask for, at least if you're not getting it. Even here, I've noticed that the people who ask, the people the people who complain that they have two days of mail and say, look, this is going to take me way too long and I, I can't possibly do it. It's going to be all day. Um, they tend to get that offer made at the beginning. Um, people who don't say anything tend to have to call the union office and get us to fight for it. But it's much easier to do it ahead of time than I've, after the fact. I've also found uh, they're much more willing to do it to, for people they know are going to call the union office and people they think aren't going to bother don't get it and they just end up doing extra work for free. Mm-hmm. So another reason, you know, to call your union office. I think what Kevin's trying to say is be the squeaky wheel, file your grievances, and get paid for all the work that you yeah. do. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we've talked about RSMCs before. I think we've covered all that before, so... It's funny, though. Like, I, I know so many times throughout the pandemic I've seen roots go uncovered. I remember right after Christmas this last year, and we had probably a quarter of our our workforce at our depot was away, whether they had COVID or they were exposed to someone who had COVID or they had other reasons that they were off. Yeah, and there's Literally. a snowstorm on top of that, and we have a lot of people outside of town in our depot, live oh, outside yeah. of town. And, it, like, when I, when I had COVID and there was a quarter of us were out, and I was looking at the staffing sheets when I got back, and I was just like... Wow, how do they even function? But roots went uncovered for four or five days at a time. Yeah. People would come back from annual leave and their roof hadn't gone all week. Yeah, it was pretty brutal. But, uh, you know, the corporation is completely blameless on that because they should have had more terms available. But at the same time, that was pretty extreme. I don't think anybody could have predicted that level of, of absences. I think it was particularly insulting because we had just the month previous had them delete some relief positions yeah. to charts. And so they were, because they weren't co- counting all the COVID absences through 2021. Right. Yeah, 2021. Um, they decided we had too many relief. We needed to reduce them. And then not even a month later, it's like, hey, we need those relief. Where are they? Can we have them back, please? Yeah, big surprise. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Do you want to talk about plant overtime? Yes. Um, so I guess what I want to say is like in the plant, they don't necessarily have relief carriers. Like, I mean, RSMCs have prees and ochres. We have relief letter carriers. Um, whereas in the plant, they don't, they don't necessarily have people whose job it is just to be relief. So they end up um, having to do some funny staffing. And 
like the contract says that they are the corporation is required to meet the needs of the business basically to make sure they have sufficient full-time and part-time staff and there's a ratio of full-time to part-time and you know the work has to be offered to full-timers and part-timers before they call in casuals and there's actually rules about what hours the casuals can work mm-hmm. based on when the end of shift for the the permanent employees was so it gets really complicated in there sometimes and you have to look at all the scheduled shifts but um well, one of the problems is, is it's a ratio that mm-hmm. they have to do but if they just keep deleting positions they reduce the number of shifts they also reduce the ratio and it lets them off the hook on some things yeah so there's more room for them to abuse yeah um i know in our local we've seen a few times in the last couple of months where they've had they basically haven't planned for the annual leave of the po4s and po5s and so They'll have someone going on on holidays for the next three weeks, and they go, oh, my goodness, how are we going to cover their work? And then they've been trying to coerce um, casuals or part-timers to switch to a different shift to cover the missing person. But they're not following the seniority rules to offer it. They're just basically strong-arming people to say, hey, we need you to work the night shift for this two weeks while so-and-so is gone. In one case here, they actually ended someone's backfill. The person they're backfilling is still not on the work floor, but they ended their backfill just to force them to work nights rather than days. A lot of a lot of times people go, okay, well, whatever. They got a staff. Yes, they do. They got a staff. But the the point is that 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 work, if you don't have the people on that shift normally scheduled on that shift, that work needs to be offered as overtime, whether it's pre-shift overtime, post-shift overtime. Uh, our extensions stay up part-timers or bringing in casuals but the point is that they have to they have to provide the staff it's not up to us to rearrange our shifts or work different shifts or come in at different times that we don't want to just to make it work for them it's their job to schedule right and for the shop stewards out there I know this has been a problem in some locals or I've heard uh, I've been asked before uh, what do I grieve this thing under is it a or B so in this case, it might be, do I grieve the lack of overtime opportunity? Do I agree the improper staffing? Do I grieve the lack of seniority? The answer to me is all three. Yeah, all of the above. So yeah, you don't have to pick one to grieve. Um, I always say if somebody breaks into your garage and steals your car and vandalizes the place, the police are not going to pick one of those crimes to charge someone with. You know, you're going to charge them with break and enter, theft, and vandalism. You know, So the same thing applies here. If they break the the... The collective agreement in three different places it should be three different grievances and we should go after them all it's not which one do we want to settle all right had to take a quick break there i know the background noise in the office here we record changes dramatically sometimes so if the sound quality suddenly changed that's why i think we basically finished up group one there though and uh, we already talked about rsmc's we're gonna move to group two where most of the problems are i think yeah um Group two can get really complicated, mostly due to that uh, backfill 1706 uh, clause in our collective agreement. Basically what that does is it means that uh, if there's going to be a long-term absence uh, for a letter carrier or an MSC, um, they can assign someone to cover that entire absence um, and then uh, bring in a casual or another person to fill in for the original person. Right, which is a way to avoid overtime. And lately, here, they've been abusing that. Yep. Um, basically, what they've been doing is... Basically, what they've been doing is when somebody's on modified duties and working a half day, they've decided to backfill that half day, 
but you can't backfill part of a position. You have to backfill a position, so they should not be doing those backfills, and that is denying people overtime opportunities. And it's going to be a huge grievance uh, when that one's finally paid out, assuming we win, but I can't see how we wouldn't at this point. Yeah, they keep denying them at first level, which is just laughable because it's like um, they bring in the, the contract says that you can use the 1706 for absences of five days or more, but half a day isn't five days. Yeah, the person can't be absent <laughs> if they're still there. Right. So, um, yeah, and denying them at first level, I guess they're trying to force it to arbitration. I don't know, but if they don't win this, it's going to be a massive payout for them. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, that's a more unusual circumstance, I guess. Uh, the day-to-day -day abuses of overtime, uh, there's a few of them. There's, of course, them asking people to do work for free. Would you mind dropping this off on your way to route kind of thing? Mm -hmm. uh, that's a miss of overtime. Uh, over flyers, uh, again, in past, we've been told that's not part of your regular day. It definitely is. Um, but again, what we're mostly talking about today is uncovered routes or uncovered work. So I think the best way to cover this usually is, is where the collective agreement says that the routes are structured according to the LCRMS, the letter carrier route measurement system. And that defines your time values. Uh, the example we keep using this podcast is that they measure from the street to the letterbox and then subtract 36 inches because you're not walking to and from the mailbox fully because your arm is 18 inches wide. So they subtract 18 inches on the way up and 18 inches on the way back. They account for everything. So if there's something that's not accounted for, it's not part of your day, which means it's extra and you need to get paid for it. And one of the things that's n that's not part of your regular day is delivering yesterday's mail if that road is not covered. Mm -hmm. And you might have, if you bring this to your management, they might give you the excuse that uh, ours always says, um, Volumes are variable, so you can't say that it's more than one day's mail because what if it was a really heavy day, it would be the same amount of mail. It's it's a BS argument. It's still yesterday's Yeah, because it's daily averages, <laughs> not average over two days. Right. And yeah, and you can't artificially manipulate those averages. So yeah, it is not just a normal average fluctuation like they're trying to use the excuse of. Um, you might have trouble convincing them to compensate you for multiple days mail. I know we've had people um, say your whole route didn't go. We've had people do two-thirds of the route and give away the other third and just take a full day's pay for it. Uh, you can also say if you're taking out that route that wasn't covered yesterday on overtime, you can say, you know what, why don't we split it into smaller portions? Why don't we split it into half portions? Mm -hmm. So I think the most common remedy here, and it would be nice if they were consistent, but they're not always, is that the because you're going to all those houses every day, they say we're not going to pay you double for the double mail. It's kind of same thing with mileage with the RSMCs. Mm -hmm. So what they'll do is they'll pay you time and a half for every portion that didn't go out. So if one third of your route didn't go out, they'll pay you uh, six hours a day at regular time. And then that last portion, they'll pay two hours at a time and a half or an hour 75 technically at time and a half. And if half your route didn't go out, they'll pay you four hours at time and a half, which I think is reasonable usually unless the volumes are extreme. Uh, and if they are, then you would still request load leveling, whether they're paying you that extra time or not. Yeah, um, that means it takes three days to get all the mail cleared up. That's what it takes. Right. So definitely, because, yeah, everything is built on an average day's volume for an average day. And they can't be mixing days together and changing them. 
And again, it's their responsibility to make sure mail goes out every day, like Brian read earlier. So their failure to, to manage, your failure to problem solve is not your problem. So it's theirs. Um, if this is not something they've been doing in your local or not fighting effectively in your local, uh, they're probably just going to order you to go do it. It's one of those cases where, you know, it's going to be obey now, grieve later. But again, you, there is load leveling. There is the right to refuse if it's dangerous. Um, you don't use that frivolous, frivolously. You know, if two days mail doesn't take you over normal day volume, you're still going to grieve, but you're not really going to be able to take that into a 3313, which is the right to refuse. Make um, sure you take your breaks. But take your breaks, yeah. Uh, work to rule is always a great thing. Take your breaks, follow your natural walking path. Uh, we've had a few people that refuse to grieve, uh, unfortunately, and that's often what they do is just say, well, if they don't want to pay me the extra time, I'm just going to take the extra time yeah. and, you know, drag your feet a little, <laughs> you know, um, shouldn't say drag your feet. Most people walk at a faster than safe pace. Just make sure you're extra safe that day. Uh, walk at a normal, uh, pace of a non-letter carrier person and it's quite reasonable. Uh, especially if you're feeling sore or something like that, just walk slow. Uh, or normal rate, uh, take your breaks, take your time. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things too. Uh, a lot of routes in Saskatoon, or in our depot at least, uh, they know we're not going to return to the depot, and they use that as an excuse to not put an extra relay boxes, but they say there's time value built, built into our routes to return to the depot for lunch. Right. You know, if uh, you're looking for a little bit of extra overtime on that day, why not return to the depot? You, use their taxi jets, make them pay for it too. Because yeah. um, really... Uh, there's only two things they care about is control. That's why they divide the work floor and cause abuses and stuff and, uh, money. So if you show they can't control you and it costs them money, those are your two big wins. Just took another quick break there. Um, looks like I'm going to be finishing the podcast myself this week. Uh, so I know two thirds of you have probably just hit skip right there and called the end of this one. But, uh, sorry about that. Brand will definitely be back next time. Uh, just to finish up on group two, that's exactly where we left off. We're covering the right to refuse. And that's definitely a tool to use, but if, you know, the two days previous were really light, so today takes you up to a normal volume or slightly more normal volume, that's not always an option. Uh, so the work now, grieve later thing is just sometimes an unfortunate reality. But uh, make sure you get the staffing sheets, uh, all the information your, your uh, grievance officer is going to need. Uh, record what the supervisor told you. Uh, if they give you any rationale. And again, always talk to a supervisor with a witness, preferably a shop steward, but any witness uh, that you can if one's not available, especially in smaller depots, that's not always possible. Uh, and don't be scared to grieve anything. That's the other thing, especially with new employees, because they're the ones most often abused on overtime. Uh, I always tell new employees, blame me, tell them I made you grieve or, or whatnot. I definitely don't mind that. Uh, and I've never heard of a shop steward who's, who uh, has issues with that. Um, but yeah, you don't have to worry about any blowback from the employer. And if you do, then that's a grievable, uh, grievable offense as well. Uh, flyers, I want to go back and mention too. Flyers are part of your work day. So if they weren't done the previous day, that's not your issue. So you should get paid extra for having to fix that, or usually what they'll do in most places is find somebody who's on mod duties do it for you and that's perfectly acceptable if your route didn't go the day before um they can have someone else do it for you 
Uh, it's not taking work away from you because, again, it was yesterday's work. If it was your work, it would be hard to grieve that uh, you should get paid extra for it. It's not your work. So if they want to give it to someone who's maybe on modified duties, they definitely can do that as long as they're paying that person properly. But what they can't do is just order you to do extra work that's outside your day because, again, every second of your day is measured, so anything that's not in that measurement system is not your work. One thing to be aware of is 1508 guarantees that overtime on your own route goes to you. But because, again, it wasn't your route yesterday because you weren't here or whatever reason, that is not your work, so it's not on your route. So they could give it to someone else's overtime. Uh, again, as long as they're compensating you for that extra in some way, it's all right. But they can't just ignore it. And it has to be something that's agreeable. They can't just offer you 10 seconds of help. Um, I've seen them do that before. Well, we collated your fires and only two sets took them 20 minutes. Well, that doesn't uh, adjust for the hour and a half longer it's going to take you to deliver that day. Yeah. The other thing to keep in mind is Appendix LL gives you the right to refuse overtime. And you don't have to justify that. Um, same as with a personal day. You call in and say, I'm taking a personal day. They say, why? Because it's a personal day. Same thing with LL. Uh, you have the right to refuse overtime because you don't want to work overtime. You know, if you want to give it a reason, fine, but they can't require one. And that's your reasoning because it says in LL that I have the right to refuse and I am. Um, they may try and claim something like emergency overtime uh, or emergency force out. That is not a thing. Uh, again, you might be absolutely forced to obey now and grieve later, but, you know, it should never come to that. And if it does, make sure you grieve. The worst thing is when someone... Uh, raises a, a big concern over something and threatens the employer and then doesn't file the grievance, which I've seen happen before. That just encourages employer abuse. So please, please grieve these things when it happens. So I think that's all we have on how to get paid for overtime. Um, we've touched on reasons to get overtime in many podcasts before, but just thought we should put it uh, more concise. And again, the how to. The big thing is the time values, and they can be argued in all kinds of, of ways. And they will argue things are just part of the averages, like Brian was saying. And, you know, an average is for an average day, not average two days or anything that's abnormal, uh, like a missed a day. Oh, the one thing, I was trying to think of what it was I forgot to mention. The one thing where in Saskatoon, at least, we're a little bit loose on this Um is if there's an extreme weather day and they say bring things back if you can't manage and we do uh, they're usually pretty good with that in Saskatoon and it saves us from having to go through the whole article 33 and everybody coming back and refusing if it's uh, really hot and they're getting sunstroke or something like that um, when management is being reasonable and they're doing it to accommodate us uh, we usually just, you know, and they're making a solid effort to cover the routes and they just can't the next day because there's too many that came back, which has happened before. It would be kind of jerky of us to say, you know, thanks for being so reasonable. Thanks for helping us out. Now we're going to grieve the crap out of you, you know, for not covering things that we brought back due to our own choice. So if it's your own choice because you're sick or something like that, that's different. But if it's a weather thing where a lot of people brought it back and it's a lot of coverage and it's because they were being reasonable, which they rarely are, and, and you might want to handle this differently in your own local because you definitely still could grieve. Technically, they do have to cover that and whatnot. 
but we usually just say, hey, I brought back, or a lot of people brought back. I know we're not covering, but can they load level uh, because of that? And I've never seen them refuse. And to me, that's that's reasonable. It was our choice to bring it back. Um, they didn't give us trouble, didn't harass us over the extreme weather or whatever. Uh, and because of the volumes, it really was hard for them to cover. And they have been reasonable load leveling and stuff after. So again, we don't have to be nice about it, but that's just the way it works here. But that's one thing you might want to consider uh, and maybe consult with your executive if there was extreme circumstances where uh, you don't want to damage it for next time. Because if we all grieved them, they would be trying to force us back out in a warm or cold weather, warm weather, whatever, and then forcing us to go through the whole Article 33 process, which is just a pain for both sides sometimes. Shouldn't be, but it can be. So... But I think we're going to have to wrap up this week. For Brandon and me, have a great week. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please email at overburnpod at gmail.com. And uh, we will definitely get back and answer you or maybe even give you a phone call if you leave your number. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.